0: Many years ago, when I started this church, I was seeking what we call a system or a methodology to start the church. And that's so important when it comes to church structure. Uh, Through the years, I've developed a lot of things. And first of all, I want you to know that our process here is called E4 it's a mission statement that is birthed around one sentence, and that is leading people into a knowing, growing relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the whole foundation of the church. And I was in Alabama last week and I was reminded as I was there uh, seeing the University of Alabama uh, advertisements for the process is a system that Coach Nick Saban's developed over the years. And I've studied that process through the years. And it's something that's important to me for you to understand why we do what we do and actually why we are here, why we exist as a church family. And the process... That Coach Saban uh, has done, has been, of course, remarkably successful. I'm not here to necessarily promote Alabama football, even though I'm an Alabama graduate. Roll Tide, thank you, Jesus. (laughs) But I want to show you a picture, first of all, of how influential the process is as far as Coach Nick Saban, not only being an Alabama alumni, but my family, of course, are Alabama alumni. Years ago, several years ago, I was invited by Coach Saban to be able to have the honor to speak to the coaching staff And uh, I've got a picture here of me sitting at Coach Saban's desk. There I am wearing Coach Saban's hat. How about that? Anyway, that was uh, me a couple of years ago. But I, I, I want to show you this video because it really, I want you to know how influential this process is to me that he developed in making champions. And I, I feel like that I'm in the same position as a pastor. I see myself as a coach. My father was a football coach. My dad was called Coach Jacobs. And I don't I don't call myself coach, and I don't really, that's not my... You know what, people call me. But necess- the point is, I-, I like the style and the methodology of how a coach operates. And um, I I just feel like it's important for you to understand the influences I've had and what we're going to talk about here on this special Sunday about the E4 process, why we do what we do at Metroplex Family Church. You know, we're not just here to have a Bible study or study God's Word and just have a church service. We have a divine mission. We have a purpose. Eighteen years ago, as we celebrate our 18th anniversary here in a month or so, in a couple of weeks at the end of September... I founded this church with a purpose, and that driving purpose is one sentence. It hasn't changed, and it's my passion. That is to simply lead people into a knowing and growing relationship with Jesus Christ. That's, that's everything that I am and all that I do. And uh, as Coach Saban, again, is getting ready as of actually tomorrow to enter into what they call fall camp. He's, you know, a, a very strong in in his process and his way of doing things. I just wanted to show you this video a couple of years ago that captured uh, the process and how they're making young men into champions. In the arena of athletics, but it's also what we're to do spiritually. And so, if you'll give me just three minutes and fifty-six seconds, I want to show you this video from uh, the University of Alabama, and also how influential this is to me. I mean, this this really influences me. I, I study Coach Saban a lot. I've been there many times and had the privilege of again not only speaking to the coaches but visiting the facilities. And um, again, if God can use this kind of methodology in the natural to affect athletics. How can much, how much more can he do this in a spiritual setting for his kingdom? And that's, of course, what I'm doing and what I've been endeavoring to do through the years, but want to solidify it even more. So if you'll roll that video, you'll see the influences on my life. And again, I'm not here to promote college football. I'm here to promote what we see, a methodology. And I want to say clearly, in the state of Alabama... I was last week at Church of the Highlands there in Sylacauga, Alabama. They're a church that has 23 locations throughout the state of Alabama. They run just over 70,000 people every single weekend in attendance. Uh, pastor Chris Hodges is a pastor and a man that I went to uh, high school with is the local pastor there. It's in the city where I was born, uh, Sylacaque, Alabama. I was there last weekend and uh, just to observe their services and to meet with the pastor. And, and, and they recognized me, and I appreciate that because of who I am and, and all the relationships I have in that local community. But I am deeply influenced by how they've gotten to the number they have. I mean, 70,000 people in a church every Sunday is a lot of people, is it not? That's a lot of folks. And 23 campuses... They built every one of their campuses completely debt free. They have borrowed no money. They built every single single thing and paid cash for it. And they are impacting the state of Alabama like I've never seen before. And of course, I was part of a large church in Alabama back in the late 80s of 3000. That church is no longer in existence now, unfortunately. But Pastor Chris Hodges, God has raised him up, and he's used a system called the growth track, which is his process, and he's successfully built that church. And so I was deeply, uh, I've been watching him and observing his church for years. As a matter of fact, we've been several times to his conferences, and uh, I was really convicted even more to stick to the process that the Lord's given us, and then to more and more emphasize this process. So uh, bear with me for those that are visiting today. But bear with me, church family, because I want you to understand the background. Again, this has nothing to do with college football. This has everything to do with the process of people. However, I'm impacted by what happens in college football, because if you can mold and make young men into champions in the natural, well, how much more can you do that with people who will submit to a process or a systematic way of growing their lives with Jesus Christ to be champions in, God's, in life for every day for the Lord? So check this out, and let's talk more about it in just a second.
1: The chant is "Get your mind right." It's the mantra of the man out front, the heart of the Alabama Crimson Tide. Head coach Nick Saban with an afternoon in early August. An energized Saban couldn't wait to get to his favorite part of the day. All right, blow the horn, let's go walk, 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 walk. to practice. A thunderstorm had forced his team indoors. Top hat, top hat, set. Go. BUT IT DIDN'T DAMPEN SABIN'S PASSION right TO TEACH HIS PLAYERS THE FINER POINTS OF FOOTBALL.
2: I WANT YOU TO STEP, STEP, STEP. WE'RE NOT GETTING MUCH OUT OF THIS, GUYS, BECAUSE YOU GUYS WON'T DO THIS STUFF RIGHT. DO IT AGAIN. NO, 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 BRING IT BACK. DO IT AGAIN.
1: IN DEMANDING HIS PLAYERS BE AS EXACTING AS HE IS, SABIN CAN BE VOLCANIC. I'VE TOLD YOU THREE TIMES ALREADY TODAY. WHY ARE YOU SO TOUGH ON PEOPLE?
2: Well, I DON'T KNOW IF THAT'S FAIR THAT I'M REALLY TOUGH ON PEOPLE. We create a standard for how we want to do things. And everybody's got to buy into that standard, or you really can't have any team chemistry. You know, mediocre people don't like high achievers, and high achievers don't like mediocre people.
1: Saban doesn't miss anything. On this afternoon, a freshman caught Saban's eye. Hey, Eddie! Number four, Eddie Jackson, who seemed lost. You an offensive lineman or what? Jackson, a defensive back, was stretching with the offensive lineman. You gotta buy him, Eddie. Trying to master Alabama's complex schemes was too much, too soon for Jackson.
0: Hey Eddie! It's kick
2: support! It's covered two! Why are you backing up? You're supposed to come and force the edge.
1: Jackson looked like he wanted to crawl into a hole.
2: Come on, Eddie!
1: All of Alabama's players have been there. Oh, Vinny! Safety Vinny SINCERI remembers the day he and a fellow defensive back forgot to play.
0: And he throws his hat, and it's a straw hat. It's not really heavy. He's able to throw it like Zorro at us. I thought it was going to hit us and knock us out. And it just starts yelling at us. And we're like, oh, well, we just got
1: Sabin. Got Sabin. Yeah.
2: He messed up my hat.
1: But Saban's players have faith in their coach largely because of a revolutionary approach he designed years ago called the process. Ignore the scoreboard Sabin preached to his players, don't worry about winning. Just focus on doing your job at the highest level, every single play, and the wins will follow.
2: The approach was to challenge the players to play every play in the game like it had a history and life of its own and tried to take the other team out of the game and make it all about us in terms of what we did.
1: It's like jumping out of a plane without a shoot. Yeah. I mean, in your business, what, we're not going to focus on winning?
2: Right, but it really is the simple way to do it and it's the best way to do it.
0: It's a way of life around here. It's the the way we play the game. Um, It's the thought process behind everything.
1: Star quarterback AJ McCarron was involved in the one play that epitomizes just how deeply the process has been programmed into Alabama's players. Late in last year's blowout win over Notre Dame in the championship game, McCarron and his center Barrett-Jones called different plays at the line of scrimmage, both insisting they were right. A bizarre shoving match ensued on national TV. Safe loved it.
2: The game's probably won, and they're well, it's still trying to get to 14. it Yeah, they're, they're still trying to get it right, all right, which to me is the kind of pride and performance that you want in the players.
1: Can you see the critics saying, "Come on, coach, just take a breath, relax, enjoy the moment. right"?
2: I, I can. I can see people saying that, but uh, we're still coaching. We're trying to get them to do it right. I don't ever want the players to relax in a game.
0: Isn't that awesome? What you see there is a, uh, and I compare it to what we're doing here, Metroplex Family Church is on a process to influence every person to focus every day on their personal relationship with God. Be the very best you can be every single day. And then in doing that, you trust the Lord that the outcome will be victorious. You see, the same process that he is getting those players to buy in is to play every play to the very best and not look at the end, not look at the goal, but to play the very best. And if you'll do what I'm asking you to do or look at what your life as far as in the relationship, what I'm talking about today, and be the very best you can be and seek God personally every single day, then you don't have to worry about how things will turn out. In the end, there will be victory. And by the way, let me say it like this in my position, and I even told them, and I've said this before, even to the University of Alabama coaching team, me coaching people in the game of life is far more important. And by the way, Coach Saban does agree with me about this. Teaching people and coaching people in the game of life is far more important than a college football championship, in my opinion. And again, that's, that's what we do here at Metroplex Family Church, and it's based on four words. Our four phrases. is called the E4 process is simply extending the love of God to people, number one. Number two, equipping believers in spiritual growth. Number three, empowering believers in ministry. And number four, experiencing being the family of God. Let's all say these four together. Say, extend the love of God to people, equip believers in spiritual growth, empower believers into ministry, and experience being the family of God. It's extend, equip, empower, and experience. Now again, there are other ways and other things you can say, but that's the foundation of why we do what we do and why we exist. Philippians chapter three, verse 10 in the Amplified, talking about the love of God and leading people into a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians three ten, in the Amplified, I want to show you this verse of scripture. Notice what it says here in the Amplified. It says, for my determined purpose, this is the apostle Paul speaking. This is the foundation to why we do what we do. My determined purpose is that I may know Him. That didn't say may know about Him. I may know Him. Everybody say know Him. him. My determined purpose is that I may know Him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with Him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of His person more strongly and more clearly. Notice the phrasing there. My determined purpose is that I may know Him. Not to know about Him, But to know him, and look at the key phrase in the second sentence, that I may progressively, everybody say progressively, please, progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him. That's my whole mission as a pastor. That's what drives me. That's the reason why I want to help you and what I do. I want to challenge the misunderstandings about the Lord and bring you into a place of personal relationship, a place of personal growth. Because if you'll grow in the Lord, I promise you everything in life will work itself out. You'll win in the game of life. You'll be a champion for the Lord Jesus Christ because when you put him first place, everything has to line itself up. As a matter of fact, John 10, 10, let's go over there briefly. John 10.10 10. John 10.10 10 to me is Christianity 101 uh, When you understand John 10.10 10, You understand everything about the Christian walk in the Christian life. And you also understand the dynamics of what we face as believers. John 10, 10 says this, Jesus speaking, he says the thief or Satan does not come to do, except to do three things. And what are these three things, ladies and gentlemen? Let's say them together, steal, kill, and destroy. So everything in your life that's under that umbrella of stealing, killing, and destroying, who is the author of that? Satan is the author of that. And so when you see your life going through the testings and the trials and the questions and the situations you're facing, you've got to put that under that umbrella. So many believers are taught not to do this. As a matter of fact, a lot of pastors sort of ignore John 10.10. Put the sovereignty of God statement out there and say, "Well, everything happens for a reason, and God is in control." Ladies and gentlemen, please hear me. And this may rock your religious world, but again, as in the position of being the Nick Saban of this house, I'm not here to just you pat you on the spiritual butt and make you feel good. I'm here to challenge that religious thinking that God is not in control of everything in your life. He's in control of the moment you're born, and when you die, you belong to Him. So So does everybody, but there are choices you can make by the power of the human will. There are decisions you can make, and when you make wrong decisions, guess who will come into your life and do three things? It's not God, it's who? It's the enemy. And God has been blamed for tornadoes. He's been blamed for killing. He's been blamed for stealing. He's been blamed for destroying. But who says it clearly out of the words of his own mouth, if you have a Bible like mine, where it says it in red, who does killing, stealing, and destroying? Is it God? No, it's the devil. But look what Jesus said. I have come that you might have what? Life and have it more what? Abundantly and better. When you trust the Lord, When you submit to him, I'm telling you what, when you pursue the Lord as first place and final authority in your life, your life will be better. You say, well, Pastor Brian, I know people that did that, and life wasn't better with them. I don't have the answers for every single situation. I don't have the answers for everything that happens, good, bad, or ugly. But I'm going to trust the Lord. I know that God is in control of the entire judgment process. Listen, no one gets away with anything. Everyone's held accountable. There is a day of judgment. There is a day of reckoning. But there is a time when someone passes from death to life. And then when they come into the eternity, they're not pulled out of eternity You know, Jesus was the only one resurrected from the dead. Everybody else has to stay in death cycle once they pass that line. But you and I have a beautiful thing here, and that is to extend the love of God to people. People have the wrong conception of God and blaming him for so many things he did not do. He did not do those things. We do those things. We make choices. We sow things in our life that, and we'll reap those things. But thank God for his mercy. Thank God for his grace. Thank God for his loving and kindness. And i tell you what, he's not against you. He is here to help you. And if you'll seek first him, I promise you it is the greatest, smartest thing you could ever do in putting the Lord first place in your life and have a knowing and growing relationship with him. I mean, please don't get to heaven one day and introduce yourself to Jesus. Hello. (laughs) You don't want to do that, do you? No, you want to say, I'm so glad to see you because I was just talking to you. (laughs) You know, seriously, folks, that's my passion. That's my drive as a pastor is to help you to be that champion in life, in the Lord. I don't want to necessarily be your friend. I do want to be your friend in friendship. I don't necessarily want to be your pastor in the fact that I'm responsible for your life, even though I am spiritually. But if I can push you, if I can motivate you, maybe I do need a straw hat on Sundays and throw it at you. (laughs) If that would help, I'd do it. But my motivation is different from Nick Saban's. We're not winning a series of games to win one championship. I am teaching you and training you and equipping you how to win. And the most important thing you'll ever do, this life, because what you do in this life determines what you'll be doing in the next life. And this life is just a prelude to the next life. Just think about this. All our family that have entered into eternity, my own dad, the years that they lived, my dad, 83 years who lived on this earth, that's only a small, small drop in the bucket of life compared to all the life that'll be lived on the other side. There's more to the other side than this side, ladies and gentlemen. Number two, here's the most important thing. Well, they're all important, excuse me. Equip believers in spiritual growth. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 18. Why is this important? This is so important, and again, this is where... Our church is different from other churches. People just want you to come, people want you to be entertained, people want you to have fellowship with others. Uh, that's important, but, and we're going to get to that in just a second. But in 2 Peter chapter 2, I mean chapter 3 verse 18, notice what it says here. But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Notice that phrase, grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. That's not something you do for That's right now. We can grow in the Lord. You need to be growing spiritually. You need to be stronger on the inside and growing stronger on the inside with your pathway, with the walk with the Lord than you've ever been before, in my opinion. And if you're not there, I want to help you get there because a spiritual growth and equipping you to do this and the resources we have absolutely will change your life if you'll partake of them. If you don't partake of them, I can't help you. But if you'll partake of them, I promise you can grow. Again, the question is, are you growing spiritually? Have you developed a spiritual growth plan? If you haven't, then see me. See us. I want to help you. Again, on Wednesday nights, we have this class called 2-7 series. It's via Zoom. And uh, we're doing this as far as helping people grow in a basic relationship with the Lord as far as their own spiritual growth. I can help you personally and individually with other things that I have and other tools and resources. But again, if you don't avail yourself to these things, they won't work for you. But I promise you, if you'll invest so much time into this phrase right here, growing in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I promise you, your life will be better. If you think money is the answer, mm -mm. if you think this or that and the other is the the answer. No, it's not. This is the answer to have the best life possible. All those things are important. Money will not make you just happy, but I like what one person said, money will make you feel good as far as having it, but is feeling good, really the true satisfaction in your life. Anyway, moving right along. Number three, number three empowering people to discover their ministry calling. Over in the book of Acts, chapter 13, verse 36, if they'll show this on the screen, this is in the Amplified Bible. Watch this now. This is interesting because I think this is so important. When you understand your relationship with the Lord, when you're on a pathway of growing, you need to really understand why you're here. 25 years ago, uh, or 30, well, back in 1995, there was a book called The Purpose Driven Life. It was written by Rick Warren. If you've never read this book, this is an outstanding book. As a matter of fact, I would encourage you to reread it if you've never read it or maybe it's been a while. Uh, you can get also the, uh, the videos and uh, teaching of this and other resources. But primarily the book outlines the reason why you're here, why God puts you here. Pastor Rick Warren does an excellent job in capturing that. And so many people lose perspective of that, especially as they get older. They think, well, I'm just settled in, life's, you know, just whatever, and I'll just live out my days and this whatever. Everybody's got a divine purpose, and that divine purpose is centered around what God called and ordained for you to be. And when God ordains something, he'll sustain something. And when you tap into your divine purpose for your life, you're not only affecting your life, but you're affecting other generations. Look what David said about David here in Acts 13, 36. It said, David, after he served God's will and purpose and counsel in his own generation, say his own generation, his own generation, he fell asleep or, or was, he died, and then it says he was buried among his forefathers. But notice the phrase there, after David served God's will and purpose and counsel in his own generation. I've got a question for you. Listen to me. Listen to me. Are you doing that? Have you found that? If you've not found that, you'll never really be at peace in your heart. You say, well, Pastor Brian, I'm working this job, I'm doing family, that's my identity. Well, that may be your identity, but there's more to your life than that. There's more to your life than a job. There's more in life than even your family identity. That's important, but when you find God's purpose for your life, when you zero in on that mission that he's called you to that divine assignment, that divine design... For example, you're looking at a man who went from playing drums professionally to being an introvert to be completely flipped around, and now I'm a public speaker as far as in public ministry. Isn't that amazing? Only God could do that to an individual. I mean, really, you think about it. You're looking at a complete flip of a turnaround. As far as an individual, last week when I was in my hometown driving around and seeing things and going back where the church that I was born again, I was just thinking about all those things, how God took my life and completely turned it around and gave me an identity and a purpose. But now I sought it with all my heart. I went after it with everything in me and I found it. And I'm in my place, and my place is good. And I want so much for you to be in your place. You say, well, Pastor Brian, I don't know what my place is. Well then, read the book. (laughs) Read the book. Seriously, you ought to read this book. If you've never read this book, it is worth reading. It's worth going through. It's worth answering the questions. It's worth going before the Lord and saying, God, what do you want me to do? You say, Pastor Brian, I'm too old to be doing that. No, you're not, you're never too old. As a matter of fact, you're never too old to grow in the Lord. You're never too old. As a matter of fact, the wisest thing you can do is to seek the Lord's will for his life. Discover the reason why he created you and make a difference in that passion of purpose. When you find out who God's called you to be, there's certain things that come out of you that'll amaze you. For example, me doing what I'm doing today. I mean, there are gifts and talents in every single person in this room and those watching that God put inside of you when you were born that make uni- you, you, you uniquely you. You're a special person. You're a unique person. And when you were created, you had that gifting inside of you, and you got that gifting now. And I'm telling you what, when you find that in your life, it does something to you. I love what I do. I told somebody the other day, They were. I was trying to help them define their calling as far as a career, and they were asking me all these questions. And I said, "Well, listen." Bottom line is this, I am in the perfect job situation. I found what I am supposed to do. And when you find what you're supposed to do, I love what one person said, you'll never work a day in your life. <laughs> you find that passion. And if you're not in that passion, then make a change. You say, Pastor Brian, I'm too old or whatever. I can't make a change. Yes, you can. Do what you need to do. If you need to go back to college, if you need to go to school, if you need to do this, if you need to do that, whatever makes your identity you know, a better you, then do it, you are uniquely you. Don't disqualify you because of age or situations or sickness or whatever you may be facing. Listen, don't, take, don't let those things destroy the purpose to why God created you. Because David found his identity. David had a life of challenges. David messed up in some things. But then he pressed forward and had great testimony in other things. All because he did one thing. He had what? He had determination to fulfill God's purpose for his life. And I love that about David, and you'll meet David one day. But the greatest thing you can do to honor David as well as the Lord is to fulfill the ministry calling that he has upon your life. You have a ministry gift. You have the ability to minister others. You say, Pastor Brian, when it comes to sharing faith and sharing who I am and ministering and teaching, that's for you and Jonathan and Sheila, et cetera, et cetera. That's not true. That's not true at all. Every single person has the ability and should be able to preach the gospel. As a matter of fact, I need you. And the Lord needs you. And in the words of John F. Kennedy, who had this in his inaugural address, ask not what your country can do for you, but what can you do for your country? I do want to flip that around and say, ask not what your church can do for you, but what can you do for your church? First of all, I need for you to do one thing, and that's for you to reach another person. If each one would reach one, just think about this. If each one would reach one, we would fulfill the destiny of this church in maximizing this property to its completeness. If every person would reach just one person, if you would follow up on that one person and bring them through, see them baptized in water, if they've never been baptized in water behind me, see them become a part of this church through membership, see them discover their divine destiny, which is their joy in life, and three, and number four, serve on a ministry team, and help us to reach this community. I'm not asking you to join the church as far as to give your life completely and you're here seven days a week. I'm asking you for an hour each week if you will not just attend a service, but to serve, we can make a difference in Burleson, in Johnson County. I'm serious, we can do something to impact this community. And by the way, listen, what you wore today, the money in your bank account, what you drove today, the house you're in, a hundred years from now will not matter. It will not matter, it will not matter, it will not matter, it will not matter. What you do for the Lord is what counts. Yes, you're to reach your family. Yes, you're to pour into your children, and your grandchildren. They're eternal beings. But what about that person who's bitter towards the Lord? What about all those people out there right now that are mad at God, that are blaming God for accidents and blaming God for this and blaming God for that and mad at God? You know how I many people are mad at God? They're mad at him. And I want to stand up and say, hey, it's not God's fault. He did not do that to you. John 10, 10 is the truth of who's out there killing, stealing, and destroying. Jesus came that we might have life and might have it more abundantly. I saw a testimony. I have to divert for this, but just a second. I saw this beautiful testimony, this Jewish lady. She was on a horse. She had an accident, and uh, she was taught all her life that Jesus Christ was uh, not the Messiah, that he was not who he says he was. Anyway, she grew up in a strict Jewish Orthodox household. Anyway, she had an accident on a horse, a young lady in her 20s. She fell off this horse, and uh, she was, when she hit the ground, she immediately, her spirit came out of her body. She was drawn into this tunnel of light, and as she crossed over this tunnel of light, there was the Lord. There was Jesus, and she described Jesus and how, how, how beautiful his eyes were, how beautiful his face was, and how beautiful his smile was. And how beautiful a person she was. And she said the first words to him were, hi. <laughs> she said, hi. <laughs> and, and, and he acknowledged her back. And she described how beautiful he was and how, how, how real he was and how he was a real person. And even though she was only in heaven for a little bit, she had to go back to her body and he took her back. But this visitation, this supernatural encounter, and changed her life forever because the Lord Jesus Christ is who he is. He's real. He is good. He did not come to, you know, destroy man, but to save man. And that has not changed. And she said she wanted so desperately to go on the other side of that light as some of our family members have passed over to the other side of that light recently. And she said there was no way in her body that she wanted to come back. Only even at 21 years old, she said, I want to go to that light on the other side of him but she didn't, and she had to go back, and her life is forever changed, and her testimony is out there. My point with that is, she was talking about that forever her life was changed, and the goodness of who Jesus was, and she said about a year or so later, after this experience on the horse, she went to Israel, and she spent an entire month walking where Jesus walked, looking where Jesus lived, and seeing what Jesus' life was unfolded there naturally in the, in the nation of Israel and Jerusalem and the surrounding areas. And she said how beautiful this man was and how beautiful he is and how good he is. And the the, point with all sharing that is the goodness of God is found in Jesus Christ. And that's found for you and I. And when we enter that relationship with him, we want to give that to you. You say, Pastor Brian, people don't want that. They don't want that at all. Well, listen, if they don't want that, that's between them and God. But you never know if you present it to someone that years later they may come back and receive it. They may come back and acknowledge it. I was at my 40th uh, 40th high school reunion recently. Young man I'd ministered to. When I went to, right after I got born again, man, he rejected the Lord. anyway, he's been through a hard life. But at the reunion, he was really drawn to me and I was really drawn to him. Hasn't made a decision for the Lord yet, but I was laying it out there because he is this close to giving his life fully to Jesus Christ. Sometimes it's a process with people but you love them through. And I tell you what, people that want to reject the Lord and want to reject the goodness of our Lord and Savior, man, their lives are messed up. There is no happiness at all. Yeah, they can have temporary happiness. We can all have temporary happiness. I mean, you can win the lottery and be temporarily happy, but that don't mean you're going to be temporarily fulfilled in life. Money again will make you comfortable, but money will never, never, never bring you peace. Peace comes from your purpose in God and finding what you're called to do and making a difference in the lives of others. I enjoy helping others. I enjoy giving. There is nothing more joyous in my life than giving, giving, giving i thank God for our elders keeping me in check. If not, I'd give the whole checkbook away as far as all the money in the church and we just believe God every week. But you know, that's just not the way it's supposed to be. Even though we are a giving church and we give 20 to 30% of our income and we'll continue to push that envelope because I know that you can't outgive give God and there's a joy in helping people get to the other side of life. And I tell you what, if you've never been in the ministry, please consider joining one of our teams. As we enter into the fall, I want to be actively pursuing ministry opportunities of reaching people out there. And finally, number four, number four, As we empower people for believers for ministry, we want to experience being the family of God. That's why we have team ministry. That's why we have family nights. We need each other for two things. We need each other for encouragement. We need each other for accountability. We need, listen, people in the world can't help you like people in the family of God. Now, I realize people in the family of God can have whatever, you know, problems with their life just like anybody else. But really, believers should be strengthening one another, providing that encouragement, that accountability. Over in Romans chapter 12, notice what it says. Let me close with this. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Listen to this. It says in verse 1, I says, I ask you therefore by the mercies of God that you present your body as a living sacrifice or a living gift, holy and acceptable to the Lord your God, which is what? Your reasonable service. Verse 2. Notice this, what it says. It says, don't be conformed to like the world, but be transformed by the what? The renewing of your mind. Your mind being renewed and changed day by day. Everybody say day by day. Day by day, day by day, day by day, day by day. day. That you can prove, notice by your mind being renewed, what are you doing? You're proving the good and acceptable will of God. God has a perfect plan for your life. He has a good will. And let me say it like this. Let me let me just help you out in a real powerful statement. Listen to me. If you want to know the will of God, then the will of God is the word of God. How about that? Isn't it real simple? The will of God is the word of God. If you want to know what God's voice is like, then just open this book and start reading it out loud. It's the voice of God to your God has not made things complex. Religion makes it complex, don't they not? They want you to do 25 things and 30 things and cross all these dots and um, you know and cross the T's and dot the I's. No, 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 no. What does it say? It said, don't be like the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You can prove by doing this what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Verse 3. It says, I say the grace given to me, to everyone who's among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought, but to think soberly as God has dealt to what each one of us a measure of faith. Verse four states this, as we have many members, watch this, in one body, everybody say one body, but all members don't have the same function. And Now, again, you look at your own body. I mean, you know, everything has to... It depends on one another. I'll never forget years ago, Deion Sanders, when he played football at the Dallas Cowboys, he broke his little toe. And man, everybody just sort of laughed at that and thought, man, how can he out there practicing, not playing? But his whole body, his whole performance depended on the function of that little toe. And finally, I got an explanation because Dallas was getting beat and all this kind of stuff. And i think we need him on the field. Finally, they had a doctor on there and came over there and explained how important the balance of the body is based on one little toe. And so I want you to know everybody in this church family and everybody in the body of Christ has a major, major important function. Don't think that, you know, I'm not special. You are special. We're all special because it says for as many members in one body, but not all the members have, don't have the same function. Verse number five. So we, so we, being many, are one body in Jesus and individually members of one another. Powerful statement. Verse number six having gifts, then differing according to the grace that's given to us. Every time I think of this verse of scripture, I think of Amy Moore. She, uh, she's has a, she, she was teaching school many years ago, and she said, she said this very statement. She said, the grace of teaching these young children is out of my life. <laughs> so yeah, I have a grace to do accounting, but I don't have a grace to do teaching anymore. And you know, that, that's what a powerful statement, but it's true when you find your grace for the place, then you find your place, right? And you want to look for grace in that place. I'm not talking about grace messick. I'm talking about grace for the place. <laughs> anyway, for those who know grace messick, anyway, having gifts that y'all get that later. Anyway, having gifts different according to the grace that's given to us, let us use them. Hello. What does that mean? That means you're not to just sit and soak. That means you're to give and get. There's a purpose Listen, you can prophesy, you can speak the word of God, you can pray with people, you can encourage people. I know some of you are going some very traumatic events and I understand that and I have all the compassion for you. And you know what, that's, that's, that's a hard thing to go through things, especially a loved one who's transitioned to heaven, especially at young ages. But you know what, we have to go on, we have to minister. You have to wake up every day and say, you know what, I'm one day closer to seeing them. I was at my dad's grave a couple days ago and I said, Daddy... I said, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, we're doing this and we're doing that. And I said, but you know, every day I wake up, I'm one day closer to seeing you on the other side. But I don't want to see you for a long time. But you enjoy where you are, I'm enjoying where I am, and together we'll be one day for together forever. Because remember, in heaven, there are, no, there are three things that are absent in heaven. There are no funeral homes or cemeteries, there's no hospitals, and thank God, there's no pharmacy with that expensive medicine. Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Amen. <laughs> Go on to verse seven. Verse seven, what does it say? It says, says, let us use our, our, we'll talk about our gifts, or ministry. Let us use it in our ministry that he who teaches is in teaching. Verse number eight, and he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality and he who leads with diligence and he shows mercy with cheerfulness. Talking about the gifts that have been given you and I. We're to experience being the family of God using these gifts, using these talents, using the grace that's set before you and I. And I want to encourage you today. If you need help in these areas, we're here to help you at MetroplexFamilyChurch.com. And I want to, again, avail yourself to these tools and any tools I can help you with. Listen, today is a new day. Let's don't look back. Let's look forward. God has the rest of your life regardless of what you've come from. Heaven is real, but earth is real, and we need you now. God needs you now. You were born in this generation for a purpose. There is a specific reason for you to be here. And remember this, remember this. The older you get, the better you get. You are wiser, smarter, and better looking today than you were 30 years ago. Pastor Brian, that's not true. You ain't not seen the pictures. Hey, listen, I, I'm telling you what, I believe it. I believe the older you get, the better you get. I do, I believe that with all my heart. Billy Graham, who influenced me greatly, lived to 100 years old. The last five years of his life, he was challenged with his hearing and his seeing. But one of the things I know about Dr. Graham and those around him, he never, 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 never quit. He got up every morning and he did his part. He fought his way through it. He brought people to his house. He served people. He ministered to people. He wrote a book at 95 years old. He promoted that book at 95 years old. And he fought for every day. And bones hurt, and joints hurt, and eyes hurt, and these things hurt. And he, you know, had to fight through a lot of things. But he was determined to do two things. Number one, he was going to fulfill his life with joy. He wanted to go to 100 years old. And the last thing was, when he got to 100, he was not going to die in a hospital, die sick of disease. He was going to go to sleep and wake up in heaven. And he did that. And to the glory of God, we can all do that in Jesus' name. You say, Pastor Brian, some people in my life have not made it to 100. Can I still do that? You sure can. Don't ever give up. Don't ever quit. God is not, again, limiting your life in any capacity. He's wanting to unlimited your life. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you so much for who we are in you and who you are in us. I pray for every person listening and the sound of my voice that they will discover this divine destiny that we have in you, that we are empowered, we're equipped to experience the ability to extend your love to others. And we thank you for all this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Our ushers are going to serve the communion elements and uh, get that started. As they do that, I just want to read one verse of Scripture to you. As they serve the elements, just hold the elements. And uh, while I read this Scripture to you, And listen to this verse of scripture in the book of Ephesians. Thank you so much for being here today. For those that are watching, if you got the time and the ability to go get an elements that are representing the body and blood of Jesus, please do. Um, At this time, if you want to participate, I would encourage every person, thank you so much, to take these elements and participate in them. Um, Thank you. Because communion is a very powerful thing, ladies and gentlemen. So take the elements and hold on to them. Thank God for our ushers thank the Lord for our sound and video team. I'm so thankful for the ministry service we have here at Metroplex Family Church. They do an excellent job. And uh, I'm so thankful, especially in the things we have beyond Sundays and Wednesdays. Ephesians chapter 1, notice what it says here in verse number 3. Just listen to this as they pass out the elements. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Jesus, just as He chose us in the foundation Before the foundation of the world That we should be holy And without blame before him in love Notice what it says in verse number 5 Having predestined us to the adoptions Of sons and daughters in Jesus Christ To himself according to the good pleasure Of his will Listen to verse 6 It says to the praise of the glory of his grace By which he's made us accepted in the beloved Verse number 8 In Jesus we have redemption Through his blood the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. It says, in Jesus' blood, we have redemption, freedom from the curse of sin, sickness, everything, and satanic. I want you to take that wafer right there and hold it in your hand as everybody's got the elements. And um, just hold it for just a second. We're going to serve everybody. And I just want you to pause and think about your relationship with the Lord. And I would like for those that are watching as well as those here in the auditorium, to use this time of communion as we've, everybody's been served as a point of contact, as a point of releasing your faith to a commitment to the Lord. I know that sometimes life can be extremely challenging, extremely hard, but I know the answer is found in what this precious man did for us is represented by these wafer and this juice. Jesus is so good. He loves us and he's given our, his very best for us. My question is, and really my point of encouragement is, let's give our best for Him. Not just for the church, not for me. I love you, believe you. I'm talking about for Him. He's the one that gave His life for you. And hey, remember my story about the lady who saw Jesus in the light. Said that the one thing that impressed her so much was His smile, His face, His love. He loves you so much. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much right now. We just pause We dedicate ourselves to you on this day before August the 1st. For some of us, the month of July has been very, very hard. But I want to thank you that your grace and your love is more than enough for everything we're facing. And as we enter into this brand new month, as we enter into a season of change, as we go from summer to fall here in the next month, we thank you that your grace and your goodness is more than enough. We repent of anything in our lives that dishonors you and we just ask you right now to forgive us and cleanse us according to your word. It says in your blood we have redemption. We renounce anything in our lives in any area and purpose to honor you in all things. So we take of this wafer and we eat it as an honor to you in Jesus' name. Let's eat the wafer together. Now take that cup and hold it up and let's drink together in the name of Jesus. in Jesus' name. Our ushers are going to come by and take the cups. Thank you again for being here at Metroplex Family Church. Again, we welcome you in any kind of communication, anything you need from us. Visit us at MetroplexFamilyChurch.com or you're welcome to contact me at Brian.Jacobs at MetroplexFamilyChurch.com or you can call me at 817-205-5048, 817-205-5048. I'm here to help you in any way possible. Be everything God's called you to be. I want to encourage you as we transition from from July to August to make awesome August a reality. And the only way you do that is through your relationship with the Lord. Please forgive yourselves and forgive others and move forward. That's my life thing. Three things. I forgive myself, I forgive others, and I focus forward. I think I may write a book like that one day, but no, seriously. Forgive myself. Forgive others and focus forward. And when you do that and focusing forward, I mean focusing forward on the Lord, I promise you life will get better in every way.